Hello, hello everyone. Welcome. My name is Nyla and thank you for tuning in for this podcast episode. You're listening to Greener Thoughts, the podcast about environmental news, commentary, environmental facts, and of course, other things that you'd like to know. Today's topic is all about unsustainable pads and tampons and some better, greener alternatives. The podcast Greener Thoughts is produced every Sunday and Thursday. Please be sure to favorite, also review, and lastly, share Greener Thoughts. It really means a lot in growing Greener Thoughts. And last thing for you is to be sure to contact Greener Thoughts by voice message. It's really a special thing. And the info, you can always go ahead and look at it in the podcast description and also every episode show notes. Or you could always send an email to greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. a quick disclaimer. So this podcast episode is about women, women's health, and lady parts. And if this podcast episode is not being heard by a female's ears, consider sharing this useful podcast episode with them. Listener discretion is advised. I'm going to dive into the first segment for the podcast episode because there aren't too many uh, different announcements, but be sure to be on the lookout in November for my special um, giveaway that's going on and I want to get started. So I'm going to um, just get into our segment, which is in other news, which is a quick dose of what's happening in today's world. So um, the first headline for you is about Volkswagen and their new electric car. So Volkswagen starts taking orders for its ID.3 electric car, and you can find out more about it on treeharger.com. Quote, the ID.3 is to be delivered to customers in carbon neutral form. It goes on to say, um, unavoidable emissions in the production process will be compensated Um, Four, by uh, certified climate projects and the production of the ID.3 is to start as planned at the end of 2019 and will be the first vehicles. um, The first vehicles are to be delivered to customers in mid-2020, end quote. So that's all the information about some of the details um, regarding its orders being taken right now for the electric car and Volkswagen is uh, going full steam ahead. The uh, second headline is about an emu that was um, uh, captured and then died shortly after. So uh, Eno the emu dies during capture after eluding authorities for months. You can find out more on the story on Huffington Post in the green section, and um, it's also known as Huffington Post. Um, so the free-spirited emo, emu um, was uh, seen in North Carolina, and it's, it was, you know, really a local, you know, animal celebrity, and it went really crazy for some time, you know, unable to be captured, and it ran through 
um, two counties for about two months, and it shortly died after it was captured, um, the, the emu named Eno um, was given uh, sedatives, uh, bird sedatives, um, or sedatives, um, and also given some fruit like grapes and bananas. But then when it got restrained, um, the sedatives didn't really work like it was supposed to. And so Eno eventually collapsed and the authorities may have um, may thought that he had suffered um, a heart attack. And so their CPR um, administration was unsuccessful and Eno uh, did die. And um, if the capture was successful, um, the plan for uh, Eno was for it to be relocated to um, the Blind Spot Animal Sanctuary in Romont. Then the last uh, headline for you um, and concerns of news around the world is about the EPA. So the EPA makes rollback of their clean water rules um, official um, repealing 2015 protections. So you can check out more on NPR's uh, site in their environment section for more. So today's um, story and news um, mainly is sourced from um, National Geographic. Everyone knows National Geographic is a really great a news source for all things world, nature, um, concerning. And um, lately I wanted to talk about something a bit different. So giving us ladies some uh, time to ourselves and to learn more and to talk about this, I wanted to uh, dive into um, the history and the backstory and what's happening now concerning pads and tampons. Now, um, September is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month, and it's also the time for many of us to have our um, gynecological cancer screenings or preventative screenings, and it's also um, Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. So all us ladies, um, this is the time to check in with our um, our woman wellness exams, um, and those are usually for women who are uh, younger than 65 years old. So this is prime time. Um, and also uh, next month, October, is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I thought, I thought to um, dive into this and just relish the fact that I can talk about this um, and me being me, me being, you know, a woman. And I wanted to, you know, talk about this because this is important. This is not to be stigmatized. We should talk about our lady parts. We should talk about our bodies, be freely to do so. Um, and have no worries. Um, you'll hear about more of the, of the history of where the culture, or the ideas of um, shaming or hiding um, feminine products and kind of drawing a cloud around our period comes from and, you know, why it should be dispelled. Um, so I, I think it's really important to talk about the history of tampons and pads and where the, their history of creation came from and how they have proliferated um, in their, their use and also um, the disposability of them nowadays. They're, it's really toxic and there's plenty of alternatives out there that I also want to talk about a bit later. Um, and so I think we should get started. All right, so... Um, I entitled this piece, Women Need Better Period Products, Period. 
So there's an emphasis there. And I totally agree with that sentence that we as women, we do need, um, you know, better education around periods to be talked about it in our homes. Um, you know, young girls too, those who are developing, you know, sometimes in middle school, in high school, getting their periods for the first time. Um, of course, they need that education seriously there. Um, and then there's also other topics, you know, that lead, of course, to other things like uh, uh, making sure that there's positive um, sexual education around sex and different things and understanding the human body. There's just a ton of different things linked um, with this topic overall. But I want to get into um, some of the basics as far as period products in general and distinguishing the two main types that are used um, today. So um, pads are the first one. Now pads come in a ton of different sizes and anyone who's had one um, knows that you can buy, you know, the small kinds and the medium kind, large, extra large, overnight, um, for those who have serious flows in the, um, in the time when you're sleeping. And then in the morning you can change them out and so these different sizes of pads, they are capturing your menstrual blood. Um, so for all those ladies out there. And um, they usually come in different shapes, specifically oval-esque or rectangular um, shapes as well, um, as far as that. And also pads are either disposable or reusable. Now, um, you know, there's plenty of different options out there for you. And nowadays, especially with the disposable kind, um, there's a leak-proof um, um, creation in there. And also there's built-in older um, destroying technology, which can make for um, disposing of pads seamless and sort of more um, not older intensive, I guess you could say. And then also tampons. Tampons um, are sometimes, you know, usually common. You know, you just, you know, chuck it in your purse or a bag, gym bag, whatever you have. And it's a small device that also accompanies um, itself with an, a tampon applicator. And that tampon applicator is used to insert the actual tampon, which is made of cotton, into the vagina. And this is used to capture um, in its best um, efforts, your menstrual liquid, so your blood, sometimes discharge, etc. And um, sometimes we, um, as women, um, or just females in general, if you still have your period, we use um, pads in conjunction with tampons just in case we leak through. Um, so that, you know, sometimes happens. Now I want to give you a quick tampon fact. So in 2018 alone, people in the United States bought 5.8 billion tampons and over the course of a lifetime, a single menstruator uh, will use somewhere between 5,000 to 15,000 pads and tampons and the vast majority of which will end up in landfills as plastic waste. Very damaging to the environment. Um, that is if you use the disposable kind of uh, tampons and pads. Now I want to jump into the problem um, of periods when it comes to um, the plastic uh, history of them. There's no problem in having a period, it's just the, the fact that um, the plastic associated with um, a period is very damaging. 
So, you know, women, we menstruate for a long time. And many um, should know that, you know, American women, for example, would menstruate about 40 years um, in total. So, you know, that means bleeding for about five days a month or about 2,400 days over the course of a lifetime. That compounds to about 6.5 years um, in total. Now, I want to jump to um, looking at the brief uh, look and overview of periods throughout history. So, all the way back to ancient Greece, there was a time where writers and poets, they saw blood as something that needed to be expelled from the body, something that was not good, something that was tainted and vile and unhealthy, and some even considered it poisonous. So this same sort of attitude remained for many, many centuries, and it got worse as time went on. In the 1800s in the United States, you know, simply put, period blood was perceived as, quote, bad blood or dirty or shameful. So you had women in the 1800s needing to hide this, to, to, not, feel, to not feel shame that they had to make sure that they had to hide this um, and to, you know, make sure it was a secret. That's the attitude that was carried on in the 1800s in this country. And then in the pre-20th century United States, pads came about, but they were made from, you know, very coarse materials such as uh, leftover scraps of fabric and, and different types of uh, tree bark, you know, small bits of it, you know, wherever was available and absorbent at the time. So, you know, these women had to make do with what they had to be um, ingenuitive, to invent, and it wasn't always, you know, so nice and pretty. Things were rough. Um, they had to use bulky materials, things that were unbendable, things were that were um, absorbent to them at the time. Um, and then those things had to be washed and dried. And they couldn't be washed and dried necessarily in the home. So they had to make do and have those things uh, outside or, or hidden. And at the same time, um, this attitude still persisted, persisted, um, of periods being something to hush, hush, or quiet, and again, shame. So just think about that. Even though um, the times of ancient Greece, this, this attitude and this perception, this thought process still went on that women needed to quiet their bodily functions and for no one to know what was coming out of their, their bodies. So going forward to the year 1921, it's a very important year because this is the year that Kotex uh, first made its pack of uh, disposable menstrual products. Now the 20s is a different sort of time um, and then evolving into, not, into the 1930s where you had tampons. Now tampons here were made with cardboard, cardboard uh, applicators and also densely packed um, cotton uh, attached with strings. So it didn't really um, cross into having any plastic bits for some time. But during the 1930s, you start to see the flux of disposability being really marketable. So you had different companies um, 
you know, getting to women, young girls, and having them stock up, stocking up on these disposable pads and tampons. And each month, of course, having them locked into uh, purchasing these decades um, worth or locking them into decades worth of buying uh, these disposable products. So in the 20s and 30s, this was a real problem, but it continues on. So I want to get to the designs of uh, tampons and plastic pads and uh, shortly go over that. So the first recorded um, tampon, it was a U.S. patent for it. It occurred um, from the year 1929 and it was a design that had a telescope sort of looking um, tube. So the applicator uh, looked like a telescope of sorts. Um, And there were other suggestions to have that actual applicator be stainless steel and even glass. So imagine if uh, the patent for the design um, was made into stainless steel or glass. That That would be the Uh, standard for today if it wasn't made out of plastic or uh, other shapely uh, materials. It would be in those forms. Just think about that. Very scary and there's no way uh, any woman alive would probably use one of those materials for their uh, tampon applicator. So, you know, it's just very different the times are now. And in the 1960s, so about 40 or so years later, Um, pad designs began to take shape, literally, and they began to um, incorporate thin styles, being really, really, truly flexible, um, and having the sort of features that we kind of know today as the um, leak-proof polypropylene or the polyethylene. And these are the features on the bottoms of pads where it has the sticky part that attaches to the panty. Uh, for um, us ladies. And also in the 1960s, there was a, um, a, a beginning of a capitalization of plastics in everything. And so you see this going on. And even until today, it's still going on where plastics rule when it comes to, um, you know, feminine products and our uh, period products. So skipping about 10 years into the future and into the 1970s, um, you have, again, bendable plastic wings, but you also have absorbent cores, which is, you know, a must for um, those who love disposable pads because it locks in um, the, 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 the period blood and having it in the, in the core and also those wings are very good so that you have your sides um, covered. And uh, last but not least, uh, plastic Um, at this time was molded into different types of uh, tampon applicators. So you have varying styles and uh, different types of looks with your tampon applicator. So now I wanna get to the uh, last bit, which is the uh, packaging and privacy or packaging privacy um, as it pertains to uh, our products. So I wanna give you two different examples of um, what happens to you know companies when they think that they can sort of market um, products and you know it's still crippling to see that they would mask um, products in such a way that sort of takes away what a woman is doing you know and it, it kind of still shrouds it in secrecy. So I want to give you one example. The first one 
is way back in the 1920s when Johnson Johnson, the famous brand we all know today, it actually was printing slips in their uh, magazine ads um, and they were promoting their modest, quote, um, brand of their sanitary napkins, as they used to call them. And women would go ahead and cut them out and slide them across the pharmacy counter and they would receive a nearly um, unmarked box in return. So they, you know, discreetly did that and they also got something in return, uh, those sanitary napkins. Again, making this hush-hush and for no one to uh, know what they're doing. But as recently as 2013, um, there was also Kotex being uh, able to introduce their tampon with, quote, a softer, quieter wrapper to help keep it secret, end quote. This is designed for silent unwrapping. Again, this is um, making this this a woman's or a female's time of the month just so hushed and so um, put to the side almost and not to be a nuisance almost. You, you see these companies, again, Johnson Johnson and Kotex, uh, making products to um, not be bothersome. I, I think I read that as not being um, able to have these companies deal with, um, you know, something that should be you know, not uh, shameful or anything. This is a natural process that those females go through. And um, for those companies, you know, just to callously treat, again, um, women's, um, you know, health condition, um, something that happens normally, um, to treat it as something that shouldn't be a problem, um, it, it kind of, it just doesn't put a good taste in my mouth. And that's, again, why I don't support those companies, but just being frank about that. So, you know, this just shows you um, where we are today, but also um, with that recent example in 2013, we still have a long way to go as women um, when it comes to our products and the companies that make or don't make our products for us. Um, so um, one thing I want to leave you with before I get to some uh, quotables is a product fact. So in Europe, um, most tampons are sold without applicators, so good on Europe. And in the United States, there's growing interest in alternatives. So in a recent survey, almost 60% of the women questioned uh, were considering a reusable product, and about uh, 20% were currently uh, users. So next thing and last thing, I want to leave you with some notable quotables. So Anne uh, Borowski, she has extensively researched uh, the ecological, e ecological impact of feminine products, um, sanitary napkins, and the like. And she says, quote, I don't want to contribute 40 years of garbage to a landfill just to manage something that shouldn't even be seen as a problem, end quote. She says, quote, it seems like something we should have a little more control of by now. I don't want to have that kind of burden on the planet, end quote. I totally agree with her, and that's why I use a special type of uh, problem for my uh, monthly flow, and I love it. It's very, um, you know, great as far as cost-effectiveness, eco-friendliness, um, comes in different patterns, which I'll get into a little bit later. 
Um, and I love it, so I'll, I'll get to talking about it then. But uh, if you want to see more of her brilliance, you can check out her thesis. And I'll leave uh, her thesis link in the show notes so you can check it out. And I want to leave you with another quote. And this is in reference to the packaging associated with uh, period products. Quote, we're still selling shame along with the menstrual products. End quote. Says Kissling. And um, Elizabeth... Arveda Kisling is a gender studies expert at Eastern Washington University, and she's the author of Capitalizing on the Curse, The Business of Menstruation. All right, so I have a few different thoughts on the topic. Um, I just want to say, first off, I love my period. I'm proud of my period. When I did buy disposable pads, I walked around with them proudly. Because yes, I still bleed. I'm proud of it. I am woman. Hear me roar. I am very proud of that. Um, and I have nothing to be ashamed, ashamed of. You know, there will be a time um, when I do not have my period anymore. Um, when I am, you know, in the future have surpassed menopause. And I will be among the women who do not have to bleed anymore. But until then, I will cherish the moments that I do have every single month um, when I do have my period. Um, And so I'm proud of it. And anyone who hears me who happens to be a woman should be proud of it. You know, you should not have to worry about, you know, the person in your life, whoever they may be, male, female, whatever you choose to have as your significant other or maybe family member who, you know, may be on your back as far as, you know, making sure your period is under control or to hide certain things or they don't want to know it's around or they're uncomfortable. Let them be uncomfortable. You're a woman. You go through stuff. We are powerful. We do plenty of things. And this is one of the things that does not need to be shamed. You know, our God um, received gift, the gift of life. And, um, you know, a period is a wonderful thing, you know, and it's It's not something I think should be a burden to anyone. You know, there should be um, different products out there to suit um, any female who is beginning her period or who's had her thousandth period. Um, And, you know, I think this conversation just needs to be had. Like, I think that there's so much language even in a period. Like, people say period Sanitary napkins, uh, the products, or menstruation, uh, disposables, monthly flow, uh, feminine hygiene products. There's so many terms just for one simple act, one simple occurrence that happens. It's not to be confusing. It's just there's so many different words for this. And, you know, some people don't want to hear it, which I don't told. I don't understand why they don't want to hear it. You know, they're they're ready to, um, you know, do things to you and with you, um, or, you know, just seem so disgusted by this act of you, period, but they they should understand, especially if this person is, you know, with you and you're in a relationship or something. And that's what I want to also get into also. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later in my thoughts. Um, but period products should be, on top of anything else, just more accessible, 
you know, hiding them in the back of stores or even their price points. Um, women who are homeless who happen to need uh, period products. That is a big contention because, again, they have to pay with quarters in bathrooms or, or have them in convenience stores. Sometimes they're locked up or anything like that. That's a big um, issue when it comes to period products. Um, and also another thing is the monthly costs associated with um, period things. So um, pads, for example, um, can run you a certain amount of costs depending on where you get them online, in store. Um, you know, sometimes the disposable ones can run you $7 or so a pack. And, you know, if you get your period once a month or at the beginning and then towards the end of the month, like it can have, um, you know, not a wear and tear, but you know that this cost is coming and it's reoccurring, you know, if you happen to buy disposable um, period products. Or um, also the, the symptom soothing products, so the teas and the, and the warm um, belly presses or those type of things, they also cost as well. Um, you know, and I, I think there's more to be said about this and I also want to, you know, know why do men complain about periods so much? You know, I don't understand it. They're not the ones having to get cramps or to get cranky or to bleed through and their friend or girlfriend or stranger may or may not have a pad for them to use. They don't have the, the, to worry about that. And so, or to also be proud of that fact that they have their period and it's, it's something to be treasured and whatnot. And I think that men should be more supportive, especially if there's something um, like a boyfriend or fiance or even a husband. Um, and so they shouldn't be compounding her suffering or making her annoyed or being inconsiderate or being a douche. You know, they should just step up and just be there. You know that you know that this happens every single month until she hits menopause or passes away before then. You know that this happens every single month. And so they need to be better boyfriends and fiancés, husbands, etc. And just just stop talking and just get her period products if she can't get out of bed. If she's too weak to do so. Or give her some bananas for her cramps, snuggle up with her, make sure she has her um, really nice warm pad and some honey tea and really is chilled and relaxed. And you won't have to deal with any of the bad symptoms of women who, you know, have periods, you know, we're not all cranky, but if you annoy us or don't do what we say or are rude or make it seem like it's a big thing for you to get out of your way or for you to do, then you're going to just make it worse. And of course she's going to rage and she's not going to be happy. If you're being a bad um, boyfriend or fiance, uh, husband, whatever you are. Um, so just, be, be great to her, you know, don't, don't treat her any differently. Just be considerate, be compassionate, be soft. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to um, show empathy. You know, we're, we're, we're struggling sometimes, you know, and it, it happens and cramps are not fun and she needs you and that's all she wants. So, um, a couple more things I want to get into are the design of period products and the web of the cultures that surround, um, periods and also the shame that, 
um, can be associated with them, I guess, and maybe a little bit of, of the science. So as far as cultures, every culture around the world, um, you know, is composed of women. They, we just are, and we're a part of this planet. So every culture is, is differently um, facing this, and the women of it sometimes don't get too much say in it. They just have to, again, um, hide this um, occurrence, this monthly occurrence, or sometimes they have to do it, um, you know, in secret, even amongst other women, because they're not supposed to necessarily talk about um, sex or sexual things or what's happening with their bodies, especially as they're growing as is as um, young girls age and mature from, um, you know, adolescents to teenagers and then into young adults and young women. So we have to understand each culture is differently, but that is different. But that doesn't mean that we can't all talk about these things culturally and have this be out in the forefront. You know, people in, you know, Southeast Asian communities, people in Middle Eastern communities, people in um, you know, West African, East African, North African, South African, Sub-Saharan African communities, uh, regions of the world, even, um, you know, South American communities, Latino communities, etc. We should all be able to talk about what's happening with our bodies to us as women and to put away that culture of shame, which I've talked about um, throughout uh, today's podcast episode. Um, and even sometimes... The little um, disposable cans when it comes to the bathrooms, you know, that's something that's not to be shamed or shameful, but we're still um, putting putting period things in little convenient trash cans inside bathroom stalls or um, other places and sort of hiding what's happening before it, you even come out the stall. Um, some women would disagree and say that they love those little trash cans. Well, true, they are convenient, but also, you know, they're in every, you know, women's stall to to some degree. And um, also the history of um, periods being looked at around the world is something to look into. You know, if you never knew um, what happened in ancient Greece, you can look at the stories of, of men and maybe even women talking about um, what happens uh, every month or so with, with them and their flow and their period. Um, and then compare it to now, how um, women in the United States are out and about and proud of talking about what happens to them um, and having, you know, to talk about the reproductive health and reproductive rights, especially, you know, today's time and era um, is very important. Uh, there's tons of things to take away um, from this podcast episode in general, but I think the number one thing is to, you know, never not be proud of your period. This goes for all females, all women, um, that you have a choice. You have a choice to decide what period products you're going to, um, buy and have, um, you know, give, you know, an extra pad disposable, um, especially to, you know, a woman, a woman who doesn't have one, you know, who asks you for one and you just don't worry about it. Just give it to her. That's girl code. You just, you know, handle that and, um, be open to talk about, um, your reproductive organs and what's happening with young girls' bodies. You know, all those who have, um, nieces or, um, you know, have daughters, you know, anyone 
who you think would benefit from this um, information, you know, share it and be open with it. That really breaks things down, especially the stigma um, behind um, such things that happens to, to bodies and to women's bodies. So if anything, I'm really glad and proud that I talked about this. Um, and so I want to get into giving you some really, really helpful tips and product suggestions and resources to um, sort of delve more into uh, how we can, of course, solve um, and make better talking about periods and period products. So I'll get into it in the Mother Earth Minutes. Do you love Greener Thoughts? Supporting Greener Thoughts ensures more giveaways are available with even more exciting prizes, future Greener Thoughts merchandise, and surprises found only on Greener Thoughts. I greatly appreciate and love all of the listeners who have tuned in and who support Greener Thoughts by doing good for the planet. One of the many ways I would love your support is by clicking the second lower link in the description section of this episode. It's the direct support link for Greener Thoughts. So the Mother Earth Minutes is the time where I review in the next few minutes actions that you can, of course, take to combat the issue in the episode and, as always, save Mother Earth. So the message um, for today is clearly about um, a few quotes, and they're from um, Borowski's thesis that I talked on earlier. And she um, noted in her thesis that a woman um, using tampons specifically spends over $2,000 on them in her whole entire lifetime. And tampon companies, they've recently uh, begun to reduce the number of tampons in boxes, so per box, and also at the same time simultaneously increasing the price on them. So you're getting um, less for more it costing you and as far as reusable menstrual cups um, you're looking at 32 to 35 dollars plus shipping from their uh, makers so the those who sell menstrual cups but they're pretty um, you know cheaper reasonably if you go through a distributor or authorized retailer as well and then when it comes to reusable maxi pads it's a bit better um, so it'll run you about ten dollars to a hundred dollars so you'll have that range there. Now, when it comes to um, all that I'm going to talk about, again, these are choices, um, especially when it comes to your products. So again, you have choice in what you put um, in your underwear and what you use and or, and or not use. So um, there's plenty of uh, things there. Now, when it comes to uh, reusable um, products, you have your menstrual cups, or you also have your reusable products. Now, um, as far as tampons, you can have um, ones that go and have no applicators or also um, the kind that are made from natural fibers. Now, I have two different uh, website links that I'll show and have in the, in the show notes for you all about um, different products. And one of them has a different type of listing of period pads and cups and their corresponding coupon code. So for all you ladies out there, you'll definitely love it. Um, definitely um, more a United Kingdom-based brand, some of them, and then other ones 
um, still really good um, and there, those are other ones um, across the world and um, I want to talk about some of the different uh, menstrual cups so um, this is all a part of the first tip I have for you and it concerns um, menstrual cups for those who um, prefer those and so I want to just talk about the first 11 different uh, companies and then I'm going to refer again to um, the links that I'll talk to uh, you about a little bit uh, later. So the first company is um, Amy Cup. So you can check out uh, Amy Cup for its menstrual cups. Um, the next one, the second one is the Anytime Cup. The third one is the Athena Cup. The fourth is the Bella Cup. And the fifth is the Blossom Cup. The sixth is the Kala Cup. C-A-L-L-A Cup. The uh, seventh is the Casco Cup. C-A-S-C-O Cup. Number eight is the Clary Cup. C-L-A-R-I Cup. The next is the Cleo Cup. Uh, Cleo with a C. And uh, the next is number 10 is the Cup Lee. And the 11th um, is the Diva Cup, one of the most popular menstrual cups out there. And again, these are in alphabetical order only. And these are just a sample of the 64 uh, total different menstrual cup companies out there. And you can check out more on uh, menstrualcupreviews.net and on the other website I will link also um, in the show notes for you all so you can check it out and be sure to buy your uh, period products and um, have those different products for you so you can choose them all and again these are reusable uh, types of products fact of the day is that emissions of large amounts of CFC-11, a banned greenhouse gas that destroys atmospheric ozone, are coming from two industrial areas of China. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra magazine in the September-October 2019 issue. Green Adults wants to hear your story. You can choose to self-nominate or nominate an individual who exhibits environmental stewardship and supports the environment. You work hard in the environmental field in either an organization or company. Either way, let Green Adults know. If you want to tell your story and be in for a unique surprise, please be sure to send your 200-word essay to the email address greenadoptpodcast at gmail.com The Eco Company Spotlight is where we've come to today. So it's the time where I review environmentally related products or services and it's also a time where you can get your ideas out there about yours that you happen to have created and really enjoy. And again, you can always let Greener Thoughts know about it by voice message or, of course, by email. Now, um, I want to get into telling you about one of my favorite companies that I've known for probably 
two decades or so, maybe. Um, and it's my favorite as far as um, handwriting and pen goes, especially for um, assignments uh, when I was in school and everything. So I've been introducing a, a ton of different companies, but um, I've been doing it for a while since February um, of 2019, and I cannot wait to talk to you about my latest one um, called Pilot. Now, if you know about Pilot, be sure to let me know. So Pilot Pen is the third largest writing instrument company in the United States. Established in the United States in 1972, uh, Pilot is the fastest growing uh, writing instrument company in the country. And its parent company, uh, Pilot Corporation in Tokyo, was founded in 1918. And it's the oldest and largest writing instrument manufacturer in Japan. Pilot Corporation of America prides itself on being a leading manufacturer and marketer of quality writing instruments in the United States. And they have tons of different brands, including their their G2, their Precise uh, V5 and V7, their Dr. Grip, and also their Easy Touch um, these are among their top selling brands. Now for more about their recycled pen goods, which I'm going to get into um, in a minute, uh, you can go to their website, the U.S. site, um, pilotpen.us forward slash brands forward slash recycled dash pens forward slash. Now I want to talk to you about their um, pilot um, bio, bottle to pen or their b 2 B2P uh, gel ink pen. It's really amazing. It's good for you and the environment. Now, their pens are really special because they're made from recycled bottles. Really cute. You can see the indentation, the color, um, the gliding of it. It's amazing. And so approximately 2.5 million plastic bottles near uh, landfills or or are um, entering landfills every hour in the United States and um, it comprises close to 50% of all recyclable waste. So that's a big statistic. But Pilot is doing something about that. And so with their creation of their uh, B2P uh, gel ink pen, um, it does wonders. It writes smoothly, it has a wonderful comfortable grip, um, and it also is contained um, of 89% recycled plastic bottles and is also 100% refillable. So it's very clean in a number of ways. So all in all, it's the world's first pens made from recycled bottles. And they're made, um, again, from 89% post-consumer recycled plastic bottles. They have a vibrant G2 uh, gel ink for smooth and effortless writing. They're retractable um, and also refillable for added sustainability. Now, if you would like to contact Pilot, be sure to call them at uh, 904-565-7600 and their fax number is 904-996-2974. You can mail them at Pilot Pen. This is their U.S. address. Attention customer service, 3855 Regent Boulevard, Jacksonville, Florida, zip code 32224. So overall, my experience of Pilot's bottle uh, to pen or their B2, 
uh, B brands is very amazing because I've used them for a long time. They're um, bottles, they're bottle pens, and I first started using them probably middle school, high school, so um, before 2006 or so, um, and then continued on until um, 2010 maybe. Um, and then I would buy them periodically. And so I love their pens because they were easily accessible. You know, you could buy it on Amazon if you wanted to. They're durable, um, recyclable again. Um, very clean, conscious, great lines in the pen, not streaky. Um, an amazing quality and also value because you can sometimes get different um, numbers of pens in one package. So you get that all for one. Um, and it's really, you know, a good buy overall. So when it comes to Pilot and their products, you can mainly buy them um, on their U.S. site, for example, um, pilotpen.us, also on Amazon and eBay.com and other retailers um, where available. Now, Pilot is also found on their social media platforms that they have. They have Facebook, where you can find them at Pilot Pen, Instagram at Pilot Pen USA all um, one word lowercase you can also find them on linkedin at pilot corporation of america and pinterest at pilot pen also twitter at pilot pen usa and also on youtube at pilot pen now last thing for you all if you would like to uh, contact them also directly you can go again to the u.s site pilotpen.us and you can click customer service under information at the bottom of the webpage to fill out their message form. All right, so thank you again for listening and everyone tuning in. Any ladies out there especially, and any men who happen to listen thoroughly to um, all I had to say, you know, be sure to, whoever's listening, pass this on to any girl or grown woman who, you know, is on her period or who wants to give this information to their grandkid or or niece or best friend or someone who they know who happens to also, you know, be a woman and or be a young woman. And, you know, to know that this could be a godsend to them, know that there's so much information out there. And this is just one of the resources that I'm really glad I got to bring to light. So until then, be sure to be on the lookout for the next podcast episode, everyone. But until then, thanks so much. You all take care. Bye.